Stay Doomed is part of the IWEP Podcast Network. Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season or only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. You're my only friend, and you're kind of a loser. Welcome to part one of currently anticipating three parts of Freaks and Geeks. Yes. Uh, So... A little bit of admin, I guess, in the beginning here is uh, we're, we have a lot to cover. We have a whole lot to cover. We've watched the first six episodes of this 18-episode run. So Laura's basically going to take a lead in explaining what happens and peppering in the pages upon pages of research she has. Y'all, I have 21 pages in six episodes. We usually have about five or six pages for an entire series. And so we have a lot to cover here. We're not going to go through all 21 pages because some of it's research for future for episodes. But we, we've got a lot to do. And then I'll, I'll pepper in with like bits as we go through. <laughs> We're going to do the best that we can with this one. Yes. So let's start by pouring one out. Let's start with you, Laura. What do you have? Uh, I have a cream soda because in the second episode, uh, Beers and Weirs, that's what they used to replace beer uh, as a prop for the party. And Linda Cardellini to this day does not like cream soda after having to chug a lot of it. So I just went with a cream soda. That's very clever. Yeah. You told me to do this next part. I I have the $10 cocktail. Yeah. There's a part in... Uh, I think it's episode three. Yes. Where Bill, one of the geeks, agrees to drink a little bit of anything, as long as it's not cleaning products or anything like anything that. Anything edible. Uh, anything edible for $10. Yeah. All right, here's the bet. For 10 bucks, I'll drink this much of anything. Anything? Anything. As long as it's something you can eat. Okay, only stuff from the kitchen, nothing from the bathroom, and nothing from the garage. Okay. And it has to be food. Okay, nothing from under the sink. Okay, no cleansers, no detergent, no, no furniture polish, and no cut-up bits of sponge. And then they blindfold him, and uh, then he drinks it. So I told Lara, make me a drink, put whatever you want in it, and this that'll was the be kind my cocktail. Um, There's stuff falling in it. Yeah. The- <laughs> There's a lot of debris. There's a whole lot of debris. There's an unspeakably large amount of debris. Yeah, I thought that would Uh, dissolve a little better than it did. All right. It's like a snow globe. It is like a snow globe. Made of mud. Yeah, like things float up and then float back. It's like a lava lamp is what it is. Um, I I smelled a small hint of peanut butter. Yeah, which means Bill technically couldn't drink this because he's allergic. Oh, man. I smell peanut butter, but uh, this smells really salty. But we'll see. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he's, he's trying to stall so bad right now. Yeah. 
You are all regretting this is not a video podcast right now. Do you want me to film this? Cheers. Well, do you want to? No. No, okay. let's just get it over with. Cheers. <laughs> oh, God. No, it is rocking back and forth. Oh. His glasses are off. He's oh, no. making a face like I punched him. It hit me in the sinuses. Okay. Oh, that'll be the fireball. Okay. All right, I get... Th- all right, so... So, guess. There- all right. There's definitely peanut butter in it. Yeah, there are five ingredients. There's definitely peanut butter in it. There's definitely fireball in it. Yes. I don't know if it's just because of the peanut butter, but I feel like there's the, the peanut butter whiskey in it. No. All right, so that's just because of the peanut butter. I'm getting that. Yeah. What kind of peanut butter? Oh, did you use the butterscotch? I did use the butterscotch peanut butter. You used my good peanut butter on this abomination? Not a lot of it. I um, bought you that peanut butter. I didn't get it's peanut butter forward, but peanut butter and the cinnamon is like really all I'm getting. Okay. Uh, but did you put maple syrup in this? No, the only maple syrup I have is glitter in it. It would have been too obvious. I actually thought that's what I was seeing at the bottom here. I thought about it, but... so I, much sediment. I didn't want to use my good glitter maple syrup on this. Oh, I'm not having any more of that. Um, did you put a condiment in this? No. The, there's something that's like almost vinegary about it that I thought maybe you would put... Pumpkin beer? I put a pumpkin... Oh, there's a beer in this? Yes, there is a dogfish... Oh, you know what? That makes a lot of sense There's a dogfish head pumpkin ale, some of it, in there. Okay. I blended in some pumpkin spice goldfish. You did, actually. That I think you just thought I was eating because I said I was... Because I also did eat a bunch of them while we were doing that. Okay, so this is just... Oh, man, this is so spicy. And also, uh, there's some liquor 43. Oh. It's a half shot of liquor 43 and a half shot of fireball. Okay. Now knowing what it is, I'm going to take one more sip. I actually considered this a fairly benevolent way to do it. Because I had some ideas that were much it's, less kind. It's too spicy. Like, there's too much, like, cinnamon nutmeg, like, from the beer and the fireball for this to be enjoyable. I really think the peanut butter also makes it really unappetizing looking. Yeah. It... Makes me really thirsty. Alright, I'm back now with just a beer. Uh, I I didn't finish it, so I will not be getting my $10. No. And I'm just going to be unpleasant for the whole podcast. You actually, uh, he was going to drink like a finger's worth, and you didn't even do that. No. It was bad. I thought about making you actually what they made it out of. Uh, We'll get into it on the third episode. All right, so the uh, the pilot aired on uh, September 25th, 1999. I'm going to be saying air dates, mm-hmm. and it's not going to mean a lot in this episode. It will later. But it, but it's going to mean more later. Yes. One um, quick little bit of admin I also want to say. This, this uh, series of episodes uh, might be lacking in clips because they love licensed music in this show. Yes. So early apologies for that. Uh, the licensed music actually is a surprise tool that will help us later. So this aired Saturday, September 25th, 1999. That's right. Saturday night death slot. Not even the Friday night death slot. The Saturday night death slot. So we open on a cheerleader talking to her football player boyfriend about how much they love each other. And then it pans down 
to four burnouts chatting underneath the bleachers. Yeah, I kind of like this, where it's like, this is the show that every other high school show is. This is ours. This is the literally the other side of it as we move under the bleachers. And they, they kind of keep talking about, like, one character who we will know to be Daniel got in trouble with his family because he wore a death metal shirt to church. Yeah. And he mentions not believing in God. And another character who we will know to be Nick talks about, like, I've been in God's presence and his name is John Bonham. Yeah. And then a girl is watching them, and we then we immediately smash cut to three little dweeby boys quoting how much they love the film Caddyshack. Yes. And it's Sam Weir and his friends, and we, we have a 15-year-old who looks 40 calling them Sam Weird and Sam Queer. Yes. And the girl that we see consider the burnouts goes, threatens to go psycho on him. Weird's sister has to protect him. I'm not protecting him. Just trying to figure out why it is you need to pick fights with guys who weigh less than 100 pounds. Watch out, Alan. I think she's high on pot. Yeah, I might just go psycho on you. Wanna try me? And we find out that this is Sam's sister, Lindsay. Yes. And Alan, the bully, loses his nerve immediately. And that's the cold open. Yeah, I, I think this established a lot of, like, good stuff. Like, immediately being like, this isn't your typical high school show. Which, I know it's a bit, like, cliche to be like, this isn't your mom's high school show. But, like, I thought it was done very well. Mm-hmm. And we kind of established these two groups pretty well. And uh, then we jump into, uh, I don't give a damn about my reputation. Yeah, we, we get to Bad Reputation by Joan Jett. And it's the, cold op- uh, the uh, title sequence... Of all of the characters on Picture Day. And the group that we will call the Geeks is very earnest. Yes. Uh, The pictures are still bad, but they're very earnest about it. And then we have the Freaks, who are the burnouts I mentioned earlier. And they're all kind of intentionally sabotaging their pictures. Yeah. Because that used to be a big prank you would pull, of like having an inappropriate yearbook picture. Mm -hmm. And Lindsay, the young woman from the cold open... Kind of is in the middle. Like, she has kind of, like, an awkward picture. Yeah. So, that's the opening sequence. It's a very good, very meticulously done open uh, now, opening sequence with a lot of good character moments. Yeah. And if you don't know anything about Freaks and Geeks, the Freaks are James Franco, Jason Siegel, and Seth Rogen. All of which who have made a pack not to age since this moment. Because they all look... Almost exactly the same. We can't discuss not aging and not immediately address the actress playing Lindsay Weir, Linda Cardellini. Yeah. Uh, who is notable on this podcast for Noah not knowing who she was I during not... the Muppets Now episode. Yeah, I didn't know who Linda Cardellini was, and I got a lot of heat in the, the comments Good. for not knowing who Linda Cardellini Burned was. Burned heat. And I will also say that we were halfway through this episode before I went, that's Linda Cardellini. <laughs> Uh, I have a comment of this is now a Linda Cardellini stand podcast. Yes. So, uh, we will, there is still one series regular we have not yet met who does not appear in the opening sequence. Yes. Uh, but we will meet her a little later. So we then go to the Weir family dinner and it's Lindsay's parents lecturing her for smoking. You know, I had a friend that used to smoke. You know what he's doing now? 
He's dead. The homecoming dances this weekend, and she doesn't want to go, and her little brother, Sam, the geek, wants to go see Monty Python and the Holy Grail with his friends. Yeah. Instead of going to the homecoming dance. Uh, she tries to get out of it by saying that the homecoming dance is where people have premarital sex. Yes. And her dad says, There was a girl in our school. She had premarital sex. You know what she did on graduation day? Died of an overdose, heroin. And I did an actual spit take. So we find out that her dad owns a sporting goods store. Right. And he threatens her with working at the store if she doesn't go to the homecoming dance. Yes. So we go back to... Now, quick cuts and back and forths are really... Like, there's no scene transitions. There's no wipes. There's no, no. meanwhile. It's here's the, here's the freaks, geeks. Here's the freaks, here's the geeks. My next note is, did one kid just weaponize a mentally disabled kid against another kid? Yes. There's a moment where this kid who we see throughout the show, but I don't think we ever really get his name. No, he's just a rant. Like, he's kind of a rando. Says, oh, Eli, that guy needs a hug. And Eli runs up and gives him a big hug. And I was like, ooh, ooh, this is rough. Yeah. And, but, like, also what would happen in 1980s high school. Yeah, this takes place in September of 1980. We then see the geeks, and Neil starts to imitate Captain Kirk, making Sam laugh. And we see the same bully who called him Sam Weird and Sam Queer earlier pull his hands down on Sam's Twinkies, crushing them. Sam tattles to the teacher, Mr. Kowcheski, the math teacher, who tells Sam to man up. Yeah, be a man. And tells Alan to go buy him more Twinkies, because that would be the nice thing to do. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile with the freaks, Lindsay is chatting up Daniel, played by James Franco. And we get the establishing moment for Ken, who is played by Seth Rogen, and he is just an absolutely vile establishing character moment. He uses, like, one of those sticky hand toys to hit a girl in the ass. And says, like, your butt was calling to me. Yeah. Seth Rogen, throughout this show, was must have been given the direction to stay monotone and stone face. Yeah. Because he shows no emotion. It's like he doesn't even want to be there. It's very strange. because. Yeah. It makes me not want to see this character because he's such a slate. Yeah, he is easily, in this group of the first six episodes, he is the main title character we see by far the least. Lindsay is chatting up Daniel and she's talking about how her dad is making her go to the homecoming dance and tries to get this group of burnouts to go with her. Because these are apparently her friends. A very square-looking girl is looking for Lindsay, and she stands, like, at the edge of the smoking patio because she's afraid to go a toe over the line. And this is Millie. Yes, Millie will grow to be my favorite character. (laughs) If you're looking to picture Millie, she's like a proto-barb from Stranger Things. And this is the first Stranger Things comparison I'm going to make, but not the last. Yeah. She's talking to Lindsay about academic decathlon. Which is apparently something Lindsay has done for the prior two years of high school. Yes, she's a mathlete. And Millie is kind of, you know, trying to pressure Lindsay into doing it again. And Lindsay's refusing for reasons we don't really know. So the, fr- the geeks, meanwhile, are staring at Cindy Sanders, who is a very... I, I love the way this character looks, because she looks very cute and approachable. She's not... Mm. 
unattainable looking. Yeah, she she kind of reminds me of like a Topanga. Yeah, big girl next door energy. Yeah. And Sam's friends are trying to encourage him to ask her to the dance. Mm-hmm. This is such a hard show to talk through. Yeah, because you have to jump between the two storylines so much. Yeah, and especially in the pilot, because you don't know the characters very well. So mm. I have everyone listed by their actor name because we don't learn Seth Rogen's name. Right. So Ken... Was- oh, yeah, that's a good point, though, that like they do a very bad job establishing what these characters' names are. Absolutely. Especially because so many people get called, like, an insulting name. Yeah. Rather than using their name. So it's hard to relate to any of these people. Like, we start seeing in my notes, oh, Jason Siegel is Nick. Yeah. Uh, Glass's friend is Bill. Mm-hmm. Because we start learning names partway through. And you got to consider, I am taking notes, and it is hard for me to get the names. Yeah, it's tough. We also meet the last member of the Freaks, who is a mouthy blonde named Kim. Yeah. And she doesn't like Lindsay because Lindsay's a brain. Uh, that's just what she establishes. And she smacks Lindsay's bag out of her hand and, like, turns it upside down and throws all her stuff off the floor. And then Daniel and Nick help Lindsay pick her stuff up. And they're like, oh, don't listen to Kim. She's yeah. just like that. And Alan is bullying both Sam and Bill. So, we get these, like, things of these two characters getting bullied. And then we see Eli, the mentally challenged boy from earlier. So, yeah, the thing with Eli that's happening is she's he's just desperately asking any girl to go to... The homecoming dance. Homecoming, yeah. Because he doesn't have, like, the social, like, wherewithal to know that it's kind of uncouth to walk up to a girl, ask her to prom or whatever, the homecoming dance... And when she says no, to just turn to the next girl and ask her. So, like, it's really awkward. Everyone's kind of, like, snarking at him. So, Lindsay's just like, well, I have to go to this dance. Might as well do something, right? Yeah. And walks up to Eli and asks Eli to take her to the dance. And he is overjoyed. Yeah. And it's, like, actually a good... It's a good establishing character moment for Lindsay, too. Yeah. Of, she is the kind of person who's doing what is right. Mm -hmm. Remember this, we are going to lose this quick. We're going to lose this quality in Lindsay, yes. And she leads him away from the jocks who are bullying him. And then we meet the gym teacher, and Noah is the happiest. Yes, it's Biff from Back to the Future. It's Tom Wilson, who I love. And he says he's going to give the class an easy day. He's going to do them a kindness and do them a favor. Dodgeball! Yeah, it's dodgeball time. And it, that's such a true gym teacher thing. Yeah. Of Instead of doing, like, training for the presidential fitness exam and having to do, like, calisthenics, like, oh, I'm going to do you guys a solid and we're going to play dodgeball yeah. today. And then it seems that he's like, all right, we're going to break up the teams by height. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but that's what happens. Like, all the small kids are on one side. And then there are some, like legitimate giants on the other side. And I mean, that's very freshman year of high school because I remember my mother dropping me off at a middle school dance and being horrified that all the boys looked eight and all the girls looked 18. Well, in this, all ha- the one team looks eight and the other team looks 23. But that's early high school. Like, since puberty yeah. is not a fair situation, 
you will have freshmen in high school who look eight, and you will have freshmen in high school who look 20. Because I recognize... It just depends on how hard the puberty stick hits you in your freshman yeah, year. I recognized one of the bully kids as being Reggie Ray from Not Another Teen Movie, the kid that gets all the concussions, Yeah. who is a brick house. Mighty, and, mighty. Yes, and on the other side is, for the geeks, you have Sam Levine, Sam the Man Levine, who is a tiny Jewish boy. So it's a, it does a good job of establishing that, like, feeling of, oh, I'm not an athlete and everybody's an athlete. And uh, Alan, who's, like, the lead bully for the geeks, is Squints from the Sandlot. That's so strange. That's strange information. And I, it's worth mentioning. Uh, so we get the scene of Dodgeball, and it's Sam, Bill, and Neil, who are our three geeks, cowering against the wall. And then Sam is the last man standing. Well, I love the part where the bully Alan is trying to kill Sam. Yeah. And the other members of Sam's team going, get away from me. That that psycho is trying to kill you. And so Sam is the last man standing. Alan waits him out. And Alan throws the ball at Sam, who somehow accidentally catches it. Yeah. So Alan is out. And then uh, Mr. Fredericks, who is Biff... Tells him to throw the ball back. Throw it back. So then he throws the ball back. A kid intentionally doesn't catch it. Yeah. So that the rest of the team... Can pummel him. Can hail him with dodgeballs. So, uh, meanwhile, we we go outside and the same guys who were kind of giving Eli a hard time before are giving him a hard time now talking about politics Mm -hmm. and they're kind of trying to bully not bully um they're bullying him but in a very subtle way where they could pretend they were just having a conversation with him Mm -hmm. and they're trying to get him to say political opinions they believe are dumb right because eli probably isn't very active in politics based on how his characterization and Lindsay, trying to defend eli calls him a slur Yes. Which in 1980 was not an unacceptable term, but is in 2022, and yeah. we won't be saying it. So basically what's happening here is... I'm making them laugh. Why? <laughs> yeah, not this way. There's a good kind of laughing and a bad kind of laughing. This is bad. Eli, they're only laughing at you because you're retarded. I'm not retarded. I'm special. I'm special. Eli, you, I'm, you I'm are special. special. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I know you're special. They're being mean to you. I'm not retarded. Okay. You're retarded! I'm sorry! No! No! I'm not retarded! I'm special! I don't want to go and dance with you! No! Eli is now basically like, you've called me the arsler. I don't want to go to the dance with you anymore. Yeah, and I know that that's bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't recognize what these other people are doing is bad, but using that word is a bad thing, so he blows up at her. Yeah, the subtle bullying was not picked up by Eli, but he knows what that word is. Yeah. So, like, it's interesting kind of like this ignorance is bliss. He had no idea that these people were making fun of him, and he was actually very happy. Yeah. And now he's very upset, and he runs away, and he falls and breaks his arm. Yes, and then the uh, we go to commercial right after he falls and breaks his arm. Yeah. That is the moment the ratings start to tank for this show. Really? Yes. 
Because I found that such a fascinating moment. Because, like, in that situation, nobody's wrong except for the bullies, really. Like, everyone's motivations are pure. Yeah. And, like, something terrible happens, and that's, like, life. Like, I, it's a scene I've thought about a lot since it happened. I don't think it would make me turn the channel, but it's definitely not my TV-friendly storytelling I'm used to. Right. And it's also rough if you were watching something marketed as a teen comedy. Yeah. And your hero has just used a slur... And, like, now this... Yeah, and, like, just to be clear, though, like, this is being said in a time before it was a slur and when it was more of, like, the word you used. Yeah, in 1980, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was the word you used for someone with a learning disability. So, like, she is not attacking him. Yeah. Uh, But based on the, uh, the commentary on the DVD, ratings started to drop... Right here. At that moment. Yes. Wow. So we get back from commercial and we meet Jeff Rosso, the guidance counselor, who is an aging hippie. Yeah. And he is awkward and he's trying and he, like, is desperately trying to connect with the students. Yeah. I felt this, like, so much in my soul as someone who still maintains a friendship with their high school guidance counselor. Like, I was like, yeah, it's Eddie. <laughs> or in this, in this in the show, it's Jeff. And then we meet two other geeks. Harris, whose name I don't get until episode six, but I'm going to use now because I don't want to mm-hmm. make it confusing. And then another guy we don't see as often. Yes. And Harris is supposed to be like the sage. He's like the nerd sage. Like, since he's been... He's only a year older than the other geeks. Yeah. But he's just like, I understand how high school works. I can help guide you through this. This is really the moment where I'm like, this is two different shows. Yeah. Because, like, the freaks are all kind of like this rowdy, more realistic even, like... No smiley faces, like, downer of a story. This whole nerd sage thing kind of reminded me of Disney's Recess. Okay. Where it was like, yes, this is the sage, those are the Ashleys, and over here we have the king of the schoolyard. I mean, I did find elements of Recess to be really realistic in a weird way. They talk about the Cressman conundrum and how Sam's only hope of dealing with Alan is to fight Alan. And Neil and Bill want to stay out of it until Neil runs afoul of Alan and he ends up getting dragged into it as well. Mm -hmm. So Nick, after finding out, Jason Siegel's Nick, after finding out what happened to Lindsay, uh, offers to cut class with her. And she accepts because she's having a miserable day. Right. He's clearly supposed to be the good guy between him and Daniel. Yeah. Uh, we then have this moment of we go back to the geeks and they're talking about the fight. And there's a great line here where Bill asks if he should wear a cup and Neil responds, that's between you and your God, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a great line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil is a great character. Like, I'm going to have a few moments where I'm like, yeah, that's genuinely a really 
solid bit for a 14-year-old. Yes. Uh, and can, I gotta say this, because before I forget, but shout out to Sam LeMan, the man Levine, who is absolutely fantastic in this show, and Stay Doomed alumnist. Because he appeared in I'm Poppy. Did he? Yeah, he's like the main guy at I'm oh, Poppy. yeah. <laughs> I like him more in this show. <laughs> Understandable. So we get this very weird scene. It's Kim, the mouthy blonde from the Freaks, calling Sam a geek and just confronting him, asking him if he likes her. And she pretty much like sexually assaults Sam by saying like, you want to kiss me? Come on, one kiss. And then she slams him against a locker. This is like way too much, in my opinion. And John Francis Daly, who plays Sam, is so young looking compared to Busy Phillips, who plays Mm -hmm. Kim. And this is based on a real thing that happened to one of the series creators, Paul Feig. Really? Yes. This is, I mean, this is the kind of thing that could only be based in real life. Because mm-hmm. it's so inappropriate. Yeah. And uh, this is also is only in the extended version of the pilot. Oh, interesting. Which we watched, we watched. the Hulu rips. Yeah. So we're going to be saying everything based on what's on Hulu because that's what we have mm-hmm. access to. Because the DVDs are very out of print. I found a okay. transcript of the commentaries, and that's what I've been oh, wow. using. Yeah, I will say that when I was in high school, a girl kind of pulled me aside and opened her shirt and asked me if her boobs were tanned correctly, or tanned evenly. And... <laughs> what? Oh, guys, <laughs> Noah wasn't cool in high school. Uh, this girl pulls me aside, opened her shirt, and said... Hey, are my boobs tanned evenly? And I looked, got closer and squinted, and then looked this girl in the eye and said, I can't tell in this lighting, which is the wrong answer. Oh my God. Were you in this show? Was the show about you? Oh, there's there's quite a few things where I'm like, that happened, that happened, that happened. I'll bring them up as we go along. We have a few that happened to me too, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil considers asking Kim to beat up Alan for them, yeah. which is a great moment. So Nick and Lindsay cut school. They go to his garage and we see his 29-piece drum set. And Nick kind of gives Lindsay the speech about how she needs to find her gigantic drum set, meaning like the things she cares about and is passionate about. Right. And there's like a nice, cute little moment. And he tries to say like, Come to my house. I'll cover for you for homecoming. And she's like, I can't lie to my dad. And he says, like, I'll show up to your house. I'll wear a suit. I'll be your date. Yeah. And they get busted. Yeah, they're having this beautiful moment when the guided counselor pulls up and goes, Hey, guess who's in trouble? Yes. Uh, but he offers to allow her to get off scot-free if she does academic decathlon. Yes. This is also how Glee starts, by the way. Um, this is how Finn ends up in the Glee Club, is he's blackmailed by a teacher. Yeah, this is also uh, Mean Girls. Yeah. Uh, she declines, and Jeff says, Jeff Rosso says, I can't force you to join Academic Decathlon, but I can force you to man the refreshments table at uh, home. At the dance, yeah. And so that's what happened. And her parents lecture her later that night at dinner, And her mother says, I'm glad your grandmother wasn't alive to hear about this. Yes. 
This is pretend important. <laughs> because this is going to be vital for this episode and then never come up again. So, we have this great team with Lindsay and Sam. Uh, Sam is Lindsay's little brother. He comes in. She's looking at a picture of her grandmother and herself. And he asks if she thinks they can beat up Alan. And she's like, I don't know, maybe. And then he says, why are you throwing your life away? Did dad ask you to tell me that? No, Millie did. (laughs) I love Millie. And then Lindsay tells a really traumatic story about being the only one who was with their grandmother when she died. She grabbed my hand and told me she didn't want to go. She looked so scared, Sam. So I said, well, you know, can you see God or heaven or a light or anything? What did she say? No. There's nothing. And Lindsay kind of just rethinks her whole life of being quote, quote, good. Yeah. And my next note is Noah somehow doesn't realize the lead of the show is Linda Cardellini. So yeah, this, this is when he realized This it. is when I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's Linda Cardellini. I'm very dumb. So we get the geeks preparing to fight Alan. Sam is... Wait, we we cannot just gloss over this grandmother thing. Okay. Because basically the idea... She's always wearing this like green jacket. Yeah, it's her father's. That's her father's. And that's like becoming... That's her kind of becoming this new person. Yeah, it's her armor. And basically the plot of the show, which is being revealed here, is Lindsay is a straight A student that no longer wants to work to be a good person because there might not be a heaven. Like, that's a very heavy thing to drop on an audience in, like, a small conversation. Yeah. And have that be the driving force of the whole show. Yeah. All right. Now we can talk about how... Because I'm also pissed off about this. Uh, They are going to fight Alan. Yeah. And they play the first couple lines to Renegade by Styx. Yeah. Oh, mama, I'm a here in the life. I don't actually know what the words are. But I hear that. I'm like, oh, my God. Styx by Renegade is an awesome song to play during a fight. Yeah. So, so I'm like, this is going to be great. And basically, it is three geeks. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's two geeks. No, no, no. It's Sam. Excuse You're me. right. Correct. It's Neil, Bill, and the third nerd who's not Harris or Sam. Yeah, who's it's not the, the same. other guy. Who's there for the show. <laughs> and because Sam gets caught up talking to Cindy. And his attempts to ask her to the dance are intercut with the fight. Yes. And he finally is out with it. And she already has a date. Says she'll save a dance for him. Meanwhile, the three nerds have survived the fight and do rip Alan's shirt. Yeah, they just kind of keep tackling him. Like, no strikes are thrown. Oh, it's a perfect fight for what the show is. Yeah, because they don't know how to fight. There's no choreography. They are hoping for the best. They are just flying limbs, but not like actual punches, just flailing. Mm -hmm. And I must stress, they do not play Renegade. No. And I really want to stress this because this is going to be a uh, a theme that I see throughout this show, which is they set up an expectation, they make a surprise left, 
and you kind of sit there going, I don't know if that was better. No. <laughs> this show sometimes seems to think because it subverted a trope, yeah. it's great. When sometimes you just need to play Renegade. Um, so we get to the dance and Come Sail Away is playing, but the slow part, that's important. <laughs> and we're at the refreshment table and Millie is jamming out. And Lindsay is dissociating. (laughs) And Sam comes in and sees Cindy talking to her friend. He comes up, says hi, and asks her for the dance. And she agrees. And he awkwardly leads her to the floor. And it seems to take forever. And just as he brings her out to the middle of the floor, the song picks up tempo. Carry on. And we see Lindsay see Sam dancing with Cindy, and she truly smiles. Yeah. And she sees Eli standing him standing alone. In a sling, because his arm is broken. She goes out. We don't hear what she says to him. And she leads him to the dance floor, and they fast dance. And she pulls off her jacket. Yes. Which I'm like, symbolism! They both smile, and uh, we see some dude make a comment, and Kim looks at them. Because Kim's at this dance. Yeah, which for doesn't... all these people to be too cool to be at the dance, they're all at the dance. Really just Kim, because I don't think Daniel is there. I don't, yeah, I don't think we see Daniel. Kim is with people I don't think we see again. And the only other person is Nick. He's sitting on the stage, and Lindsay clearly doesn't know he's there. Yeah. And that's how the episode ends. With this kind of beautiful, bittersweet, mm-hmm. happy-ish ending. Yeah. At this point, I'm in love with this show. It's a really good bittersweetness mm-hmm. of there's a victory for Sam, but not a total victory. Yeah. He dances with Cindy, but it's not a romantic slow dance. It's a like awkward, fast dance. Nick likes Lindsay, but she doesn't know it yet. Lindsay makes amends with Eli and seems to be rediscovering who she is. Uh, Yeah, at this point, I'm like super on board with this show. I think it's like, it's actually a very nice like short film. Yes, and was filmed to be so. Oh, really? Uh, This was filmed... To be a complete story if the show never got picked up. Yeah, that makes sense why she takes the jacket off and all that good stuff. Yes, so the the pilot, like many other pilots, was filmed to be able to kind of be self-contained if it never became anything else. Yeah, yeah. if this is all there was, this would be a nice slice of life, very uh, Empire Records type feeling. And we would have absolutely been like, this is a hard stay tuned. I would have loved to have seen mm-hmm. what happened. The tone is very funny. It's a little rough at times, but, like, more in a realistic roughness. So we are 40 minutes in, episode two. Yeah. Let's rock. All right. Uh, So this is Beers and Weirs. And Lindsay's parent, Lindsay and Sam's parents are going out of town because they are uh, going away on some sort of uh, business trip for her father. Uh, They're going to, like, a business conference. Yes. For small business owners. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick is mourning the death of John Bonham. Yes. And they're talking about uh, grifting and shoplifting. This is the burnouts. And 
Nick kind of invites everyone to go to the movies that weekend, and then Lindsay pipes up that she has to watch Sam because her parents are out of town. Yeah. The freaks hear this, and they goad her into letting them have a party. Yeah, they're going to have she, a kegger. She, at this point, thinks it's just going to be them. Right. And he asks, Daniel asks everyone for $10 for the keg, and Lindsay goes to pull the money out, and Nick's like, no, 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 house doesn't pay. Yes. Which is this very, like, chivalrous moment for high school. Yeah. Bill and Neil are spying on her, and they're worried about her. Yes. The next scene is the best scene of the series so far. Oh, this is wonderful. The sober student improv players. Uh, It is... It's so perfect. It is so perfectly done. Where it is... You know, the play about, or or the improv show, about why it's important not to drink and drive. Yes. And it's Millie and two other students. Mm -hmm. And Millie is acting. (laughs) If you drive right now, you're not only a danger to yourself, but you're a danger to everyone else on the road. You're like a loaded gun. (laughs) I didn't want to hurt anyone. Will you give me your keys? And this is one of those moments I looked over at Noah and went, Hey, Noah, find us in this scene. And he goes, We're both on stage, aren't we? And I was like, We are. Oh, yeah. I I did these. I did these little things. Yeah, the longer this episode, the longer the series goes on, the more I identify with Millie. Yeah. Uh, Because I start out identifying with Lindsay and then I hard left into Millie. And like, this is perfection to me is the students do a kind of fun improv scene about, you know, having a designated driver and things like that. Then the guidance counselor comes out and tries to, like, rap. Not, not like, actually rap, but, like, rap with you, like... Now, I know what you're thinking. Mr. Rosso, you don't understand. If I don't drink, I won't be cool. Well, you know what I say to that? Maybe if you don't drink, you will be cool. Which is just word salad that doesn't actually mean anything. Just picture when, like, your teacher grabs the chair, turns it backwards, and sits in it backwards. Yes. Like. And and then immediately transitions to pictures of dead kids because of drunk driving. Like, God, I'm at school and you were just doing improv. How do you think this is appropriate for my emotions right now? Oh, it's just, it so perfectly captures how terrible a school assembly is. And over the course of it, uh, Daniel and Lindsay sneak out. Yes. Uh, that It's important that that happens, so I just mentioned that. So we then get back to later that day at their house. The parents are about to leave, uh, and they are given $50. Yeah. To, like, eat for the weekend. She's like, here's food. Like, they're mom meal prepped so that all... Mm-hmm. Lindsay really has to do is heat food up. But there's also money. And it's $50, which is about $180 in 2020 money. Yeah. And so, like, you know, treat yourselves, order a pizza. Mm-hmm. Like, typical mom fare. Yeah. And Sam is a little bit suspicious because Bill and Neil have spied on uh, Lindsay and the burnouts. And they... Kind of point out, like, oh my god, your sister's going to throw a kegger. And they're yeah. very worried because they've been watching the assembly. Yeah. And the freshmen are like, oh no! Mm-hmm. While the seniors and juniors are laughing at it. Yes. 
So to, to quickly get us to the good parts here, the plan is they are ordering a the burnouts are ordering a keg. The <laughs> geeks are using Neil's bar mitzvah money to buy a non-alcoholic keg. Yeah, no, let me let me. And they're going to do a switcheroo. Yes. So there's an emergency phone call that gets Lindsay out of class, and she's furious because she knows her parents are out of town. So Nick and a girl we don't know named Sarah, who appears on and off, but not frequently enough for us to really like yeah, remember her. Yeah, to make her, her a character. So they go to buy the keg, and then uh, the geeks go try in a great like liquor store. It's obvious proto super bad. Yes. So they go, and the clerk is like, "No, I'm not selling you a keg." And they're like, "No, we want non-alcoholic beer." And he goes, "No." Still no. It's like, but it's for a prank. We want to switch it out with my sister's keg. Oh. Cool. Well, righteous. And uh, Bill was so late to filming this day, they almost wrote him out of this episode. Oh, really? Yeah, that, I think that's why Bill is away from the action for a lot of the rest of this episode. Oh, that makes sense. So, uh, Neil... Dist- we also find out that Neil has a giant crush on Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is new information. And it won't be important later. Correct. This is the only episode where it ever comes up. And they t- Neil is trying to distract Lindsay by talking about music and what she's going to play for the party. And she says, oh, I'm going to play some Sabbath. And Neil goes, it's Friday night. It's a great night for the Sabbath. Which is a great joke for a 14-year-old. Fantastic 14-year-old joke. That's a, like, because <laughs> Neil is Jewish and it's just... A incredibly solid joke for a 14-year-old. So everyone arrives for the party. The boys successfully switch the kegs and hide the real keg up in Sam's room. And somebody comments that the beer doesn't taste good. Neil's like, oh, it's imported. And then they all assume, because Daniel's kind of a scumbag, that he bought the cheapest beer and pocketed the difference. And everyone kind of accepts that. They only have one keg, which is 165 beers. Mm -hmm. I looked it up. And Standards and Practices says that underage people can drink on screen if something bad happens to them. Oh, interesting. So we get a lot of setup. We have Sam moving all the breakable stuff to his parents' rooms. Mm -hmm. Uh, Millie is disappointed in Lindsay. She shows up to the party and announces that she's not going to drink and I'm going to have more fun than any of you. Yes. Which is cringy and Totally something I would have said. And, like, this is another case of, like, I'm unsure what the the show wanted. Because the whole non-alcoholic beer trick is a plot point we're very familiar with that happens in Clone High. Yeah. And there is a moment. These lines happen back to back. One kid says, wow, I've had five beers and I'm not even buzzed. And then the camera moves to the geeks going, wow, it's working. They think they're drunk. It's like, it's got to be one or the other. You can't have them saying, I'm not drunk, what's going on? And have them going, look, they're acting drunk, even though it's non-alcoholic beer. Well, the when this guy says, oh, I'm not even buzzed, another student convinces him it's because he's a champ. Right. But the next, the camera doesn't even cut. The camera moves to the geeks going, look, they're acting drunk. And they're not. They're talking about how they're not drunk. 
There's a great moment where you see the male student who was in the sober improv club drinking. And somebody's like, aren't you one of the sober student players? And he went, I did it to look good in a college resume. And that is immediately accepted. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, oh, you're way less lame. Yeah. So everyone does start pretending to be drunk. And we see these four older dudes who Daniel invited who are like in their like 40s and hard 40s. Yeah. And they're already hammered. And they know Kim. And one of them throws Kim over his shoulder and smacks her ass. Yeah. And so we now have this, like, dangerous element of these older guys at this party. So these are the things we're setting up. Yeah. The usual house party without parent getting way too out of hand. So we have this moment with Lindsay and Daniel in her bedroom. And we're, we're really kind of building that Lindsay has a crush on Daniel in this episode. I'm saying in this episode because uh, continuity, I don't know her. And Daniel points out how happy Lindsay looks in the picture of her with the mathletes and that she has a blue ribbon. And he mentions never having won a blue ribbon for anything in his life. And this all cuts away to Bill drinking the real beer while watching the TV show Dallas in Sam's room. Yeah. Which is a funny, like, intercut of Bill slowly getting drunker. Actually drunk. Because he's drinking the alcohol beer. So Millie, blessings on Millie, starts to play Jesus is Just Alright with Me on the piano. Mm-hmm. And it grinds the party to a halt. And Nick jumps in with her and joins in. And then everybody's kind of cool with it. Yeah, they, they just start rocking out. Jesus is just alright with me. Jesus is just alright. Oh yeah. Jesus is just alright with me. Jesus is just alright. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what they may say. I don't care what they may do. Jesus is just and you see Millie have this like little gratified moment. Millie gets a Millie kind of gets a win in this episode, which I want to point out. Anytime Millie gets several wins in this show, and maybe the only one. <laughs> Ken, meanwhile, looks like he's considering yeeting himself off the roof during this, and he bumps into the older man who headbutts him. So, Judd Apatow, this happened to him. Uh, Judd Apatow and his friend walked past Gary Busey. Really? the friend accidentally bumped Gary Busey and Gary went, You want to go? Oh my gosh. So, this was based on a real incident. Daniel diffuses the fight and Cindy shows up just at this moment. Uh, Sam's crush. And Cindy mentions being the DD. And I'm like, how old is Cindy? How old could you be in Drive in Michigan in 1980? Cause yeah, because I, I assume they were freshmen, but I guess not. We Maybe don't know about Cindy. Sophomore? Yeah, she might be 16. She might have her permit and no one cares because it's yeah. 1980. And Lindsay assumes she's wasted because she's had five beers. And she is looking for Daniel and finds him in her room with Kim, 
hooking up. Yes. And Kim goes, don't worry. We threw your teddy bears on the floor. And she wanders out, finds Nick outside, tells him what she find found. And Nick, like, gives her a pep talk and offers to clean up the party. Mm-hmm. And they hug it out. And it's like this... It starts off as being, like, a nice moment where you're like, oh, she has a thing for Daniel. But Nick's, like, the good guy she should be with. And then he, outside on her lawn, tries to reach up the back of her shirt and go for her bra. Yeah. She is horrified, and he tries to make excuses, including that John Bonham had just died. Yeah. This, this, This is, like, very awkward. She runs up to her parents' room, which everyone's been weirdly respectful of. Yeah. And Neil goes in to talk to her. And they have this heart to heart where she's like, I'm so wasted. And he gives her like a pep talk and tells her how great she is. And while this is happening, they're looking for money for another keg. Yes. You kind of hear that being shouted like, we need money for a second keg because the keg blew. And she wants everyone gone. And Neil confesses his love to her, and she starts to cry much harder. Yeah. And he calls the cops on the party with her permission as an act of love. Yeah. And the scene where he calls the cops is very funny. Yes. Hello, police. Yes. Hi. There's a very loud and annoying party going on next door. It's just been going on forever. I'm very tired, and I'm old, and I need my rest. And it's very much a kid calling the cops on themselves. And Lindsay kisses him on the cheek out of gratitude. And meanwhile, downstairs, Sam confesses to Ken that the beer was fake. Yes. And he goes, I know, but I made $87 playing quarters. This party ruled. And I'm really good at quarters, too, so I, I support this. Daniel and Kim leave together, and Kim hands Lindsay one of her teddy bears to embarrass her. And the scene, en- the whole show ends with the party breaking up because the cops are going to come. And Bill actually drunk on the ground upstairs. Yes. Bill being wasted on the ground was actually ha- one of the ways they appeased S&P. Because Bill did drink alcohol, so he had to suffer for it. Oh, okay. Everyone else, since it, they only thought they were drinking, they could kind of get off scot-free with standards and practices. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because no one else actually drank. Because, like, the moment I heard what the plot was, like, the moment she was like, my parents are going out of town, I was like, oh, okay, start the counter for where they get busted for having a party. Because that's what happens in these shows. Absolutely. But the show ends before we get to that part. We never even see the cops. Yeah. The threat of the cops breaks up the party. And then the show just kind of ends, and I was just kind of like, wait a minute. This show's an hour. Yeah. How did they not have enough time for the consequences? The pacing in this show is not always ideal. So I'm immediately like, okay, we'll find out in the next episode. Yeah. Spoiler for what's about to happen in three seconds. They don't bring it up ever again. So the next episode airs October 30th. But Laura, the last episode aired October 2nd. I know. Uh, This got preempted by the World Series. Okay. For about a month. 
Because you know what helps a fledgling show build an audience? Vanishing for four weeks. Yes, after two episodes. Uh, this is the $10 cold open. Yes, we've already gone over that. Uh, this episode ran short, which is why this cold open is so incredibly long. It is really long. So Sam and Neil put in like mustard, salt, sardines, pickle juice, vinegar, soy sauce, chili, dairy cream, dairy creamer, jelly, and mints. And goes, and Bill drinks it and goes, it wasn't bad. The real drink was a Slim Fast with mini marshmallows and bits of cookie. Oh, nice. Uh, I had everything in the house to make that. And chose not to. I, well, I kind of thought you would like the drink I made. I kind of thought. I legitimately thought you were going to go, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, uh, since I'm lazy and don't make breakfast, I need those Slim Fasts. You don't want to waste it. To not make breakfast tomorrow. (laughs) Gotcha. Uh, So, uh, this is the Halloween episode. And... Sam is not planning on trick-or-treating. He wants to go to the movies with his friends that night. And uh, the mom guilts Lindsay into giving out candy with her. Yes. And uh, so we kind of have this little, like, this moment of setting up what Halloween's going to look like. At the bus stop that morning, Millie asks Lindsay to go to the Halloween dance with her. And Lindsay says, like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't go to your church's Halloween dance. I'm giving out candy with my mom. And Millie's like, oh, okay. Like, that's an excuse Millie totally gets. Yeah, she's on board with. Oh, you're helping your mom. That's fine. Maybe next time. Daniel pulls up. Millie is weird and awkward because Millie... Daniel's car doesn't have a muffler. Mm -hmm. And Millie's like, my dad threw a rock at your car once. (laughs) You need a muffler. And then she eats fun dip. (laughs) Because it makes her spit taste like fruit juice. (laughs) And then... She's offering around the fun dip, and Daniel takes some. And is like, thanks for the candy, Skinny. And says, like, oh, we would offer you a ride, Lindsay, but there's an engine block in my backseat. Yeah. So it's him and Kim, and then they pull away. Rosso calls Lindsay out for cutting class, and it's like, don't make me be the man. And I was like, is this continuity? Is this, like, him calling her out for cutting class in the last episode? I can't tell. Maybe she's just been cutting class a lot. So we are now getting to Sam's English class. And he's calling them out for the books they read for book reports. Some of which are like the novelization to Star Wars. Neil's is an an autobiography of Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, Sammy Davis Jr.'s autobiography is like unacceptable. It's like, why not? What's wrong with Sammy Davis Jr.? What's wrong with an autobiography? And so they're going to read Crime and Punishment, which in my school district was AP English for seniors. Yeah, it's not a fun book. And then I have a moment. My freshman English teacher kind of sucked too, though. So I get it. There's nothing like inspiring kids to read through punishment. And crime. And crime. So... She wants them to have read half the book by Monday. Now, reminder, this is Halloween weekend. Halloween is like a big holiday when you're a kid and a teenager. There is a lot of discourse about Sam being too old to trick or treat. Mm-hmm. But like, Halloween hadn't become an adult holiday yet. Like, it was still kind of like, you're on the vestiges. Halloween parties were a thing. Obviously, Millie's church has a Halloween dance. Right. So... We get to the smoking patio, 
Daniel and Kim are being gross. Ken is complaining about them being gross and schmoopy. And Kim uses an accusation that Lindsay had narked on someone about doing a uh, doing marijuana. And it's like, oh, his brother's looking for you, Lindsay. And Lindsay's like, I didn't do anything. And then Kim laughs because she was just messing with Lindsay. And Nick's like, oh, they did the same thing to me last week. Mm-hmm. So they ask Lindsay on a double date with her and Nick, essentially. And she declines because of her mom. So Lindsay's leaving and she catches Millie kissing a boy. Yes! In a plot that does not come back. Never gets referenced again. And it's Tommy from her church camp, my secret love. And Millie begs her not to tell. And she's like, I didn't want to tell you because you don't have a boyfriend. I was like, okay, we're getting the plot that, like, Lindsay's upset she doesn't have a boyfriend, because that... Yeah, that would make sense. It's not a great plot for a teenage girl, but I get it. No, that never gets picked up again. No. Sam decides to go trick-or-treating, and Sam's dad thinks they're, like, kind of old for that. And they talk to Harris, who is the sage, and he's like, they're gonna... Hippies are gonna put heroin in the candy. And get make everybody addicts to distract from the 1980 election. Yeah. Because Halloween is right before election day. Yeah, they're also going to take poop and cover it in chocolate. Yes. And the mom is giving away homemade Halloween cookies, which is important. Yeah. Uh, Bill is the bionic woman, and we get a montage of Bill being the bionic woman. Yes. And Neil being Groucho Marx. This is so... Long. Because the show ran short. This is another thing because the show ran a little under. This, this is where I write down, oh, right, this is Judd Apatow. Yes. <laughs> because I was like, oh, right, everything has to take forever. So we get to Halloween night. Sam's friends arrive to go trick-or-treating. And Lindsay, instead of telling her mom she's not going to give away candy with her, literally just bolts. She just flees out the front door when uh, Daniel pulls up. And Ken is with them because his plans to go see a Ted Nugent concert have fallen through. So we we get them kind of like being obnoxious. Kim is just awful. Yeah, this is a, a feeling I can totally relate to of being... Trapped in a car in high school where, like, she gets into the car and she's like, let's go see a movie. Let's or go to a haunted house. There's a haunted house. And they're like, no, we're just going to drive around and see where the night takes us. And, like, you can't get out of the car. So you're just kind of scrunched up in the back of this car going wherever you're going and you have nothing to do to stop this situation. Right. And, like, there's also no plan. So you're like, oh, God, what? Because she also like, kind of wanted to be home sort of early. Because mm-hmm. she was hoping to like still spend some time with her mom. So Bill is getting stared at because he's the bionic woman. And then he mentions being allergic to peanuts, licorice, and nougat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shouldn't... If Bill has a bunch of food allergies, should they not have come up in the beginning of the episode when yeah. they're feeding him? And they t- could have killed him. And we get this montage of... Uh, Mom's telling Mrs. Weir that nobody does home-baked treats anymore because the kids have been conditioned not to accept them. Yeah. Because of the razor blade poison poop panic. Yeah. They're all in a pile in the corner covered in ants. 
Uh, Lindsay's suggesting activities while the teens don't want to do anything. And the boys getting told they're too old to trick-or-treat and trick-or-treating just sucking. Yeah, like, for a really long time. It's a misery montage. It is just the the geeks not having fun trick-or-treating. And the freaks, like, doing Halloween pranks that are escalating. Like, yeah, like, Nick jumps a fence and smashes a jack-o'-lantern, but it's the guidance counselors. Yeah. And there is a funny little moment where... He walks out, looks at his jack-o'-lantern, goes inside, and just grabs a replacement jack-o'-lantern. Like, this happens to him every year because he's the unpopular guidance counselor. So so it goes from, like, friendly, silly vandalism of the pumpkins to full-on vandalism of hitting mailboxes with a bat to assault where they're throwing eggs at humans. Yeah, there's a nice moment, though, where Lindsay... Uh, tries to stomp a jack-o'-lantern and loses her shoe in the jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. Because Lindsay's bad at it. Mm-hmm. And so when Lindsay eggs somebody, it's the geeks. Yeah. Right after Alan has mugged them for their candy. Mm-hmm. It's also worth mentioning that this all is ostensibly happening at like 5 p.m. Because it's, it's full daylight. Full daylight. Sunset in Michigan. This takes place near Detroit. So I looked it up. Sunset is at 6.30 p.m. on Halloween. Right. So they're idiots. Now, I, and I believe daylight savings time actually used to be earlier. Earlier. So it would have been around 5.30. It would have uh, been the, dark. The commentary does address this. They threw in a line about going out early, so there's still candy, uh, because they couldn't figure out how to do day to night. Uh, because Excellent. they just didn't have the budget for it. Excellent. So... Alan mugs the geeks for their candy, and the freaks throw eggs at them, and Lindsay realizes, too late, that the person who got the most egged was Sam. Mm-hmm. She screams to stop the car. Daniel reverses down the road. Lindsay grovels for forgiveness. The freaks are like, no, no, she didn't mean it. She's sorry. But Kim laughs. And Sam refuses help. He decides to go home, even though Lindsay tells... Daniel to give him a ride. Yeah. And Lindsay begs to go home and Kim's like, oh my God, let her. I told you she'd be a drag. Sam arrives home covered in eggs and Lindsay arrives just as the parents are interrogating him about who did it. Right. And Sam does not sell Lindsay out, but he does say like, it's a bunch of freaks and dirt bags. Mm -hmm. And uh, the mom and Lindsay kind of have a little confrontation about her not staying home. And she's like, you could have told me you didn't want to hand out candy. And I was like, moms always say that. They don't mean it. No. Because then we could have had an argument. (laughs) Rather than you actually getting to go out, we could have fought about it. So she goes, kids didn't throw eggs when you were in school, mom? And she goes, "I I guess so. I never did. So Lindsay and Sam have a little more. I kind of used to think this was going to be a once per episode thing of Lindsay and Sam talking in one of their bedrooms, but it really doesn't happen that often. And he's not speaking to her. The only line he says to her during this is, no one thinks you're cool, you know? And she goes, trust me, I know. And she comes down in a costume that her mom rented for her. And she was supposed to be her mother's little princess, but it's a little prince costume. Yeah. And... The women giggle, and Mr. Weir has gone out to go buy candy after Mrs. Weir starts to have, like, a breakdown about nobody having the cookies. And they give out candy and kind of have this nice moment. And then Dad goes to Sam's room. They talk a little bit. 
And Sam just ends Halloween night reading Crime and Punishment miserably on his bed. Yeah, and then the show ends. Uh, the network did protest this ending. They were like, look, it doesn't have to be a happy ending, but can it be something less sad? The, I mean, this episode was so nothing. Like, it's, we're going to go trick-or-treating, it's a bad time, and then it ends. Or, we're going to go drive around in a car. Have a bad time, and then it <laughs> it's ends. It's a bad time, and then it ends. Like, there's not really a story here as it is a series of events take place. A series of unfortunate events, but with no Jim Carrey. Yeah, and like, as much as I appreciate, like, oh my god, I know that exact feeling of being trapped in a car, they didn't do anything with it. No, like, they play pranks, and I, I almost feel like the stakes in this episode are not high enough. Yeah. Like, Lindsay should have been in a situation where, like, there was legitimately something she was very uncomfortable mm-hmm. with. She was fine with egging some random kid until it was Sam. Yeah. Like, it, it makes everyone kind of unlikable. And, like, when you have a TV show, everyone should have an objective. Yeah. And then things get in the way of the object- objective. Right. The thing getting... The objective in this episode is, I just want to have a good Halloween. Yeah. Like, not even I want to trick or treat or I want to go to a haunted house. It's, I just, I just would like to be happy for a couple minutes. Yeah. And then they The show can't even get them They don't. And like, there's a joke that we started making where we, after this episode, we were like, think of all the fun things they could have done. Yeah. We could have seen them go to the haunted house and then there could have been shenanigans. Like, they also made sure we didn't have a good Halloween. Yeah, like- they could have gone to Rocky Horror. Yes. Which was like such a rite of passage at the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And have that be uncomfortable for Sam. Yeah. Because like, you know, the the geeks could have gone to Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Monty Python's not playing, kids. Yeah. It's Rocky Horror because it's Halloween. And that would have been maybe something more interesting to do. And like, Sam like or Neil likes it, Sam doesn't. Yeah. And have that like... Kind of give them something to do. It It's... <sighs> this episode was a little brutal. Yeah. Let's go for an even more brutal one. So episode four aired in some markets on April 30th, but in most markets did not air until the show had been canceled and was being rebroadcast on Fox Family. Yes. This is when the show starts to air out of order a little bit. So, uh, this was the most edited episode. The network did not want to air this episode because it was, and I quote, too scary. Yeah. Uh, There's also a note I have when I was doing the research for this uh, that's going to come up several times over the next three episodes. The creators of the show hate Dawson's Creek like the show community hates Glee. Yeah. A lot. Mostly because they kind of saw it as their competition and why they weren't doing as well. We open on Millie bringing in donuts for her French class, and Daniel charms her into giving him a donut. Yes. Because Daniel is allegedly charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Nick wants one, too, because Daniel got one. So she makes Nick take one of the plain ones, and then Kim smacks them out of her hand. Yeah. And Nick grabs his drumstick and just kind of puts a bunch of the donuts on his drumstick and is just eating them off the stick. (laughs) Yeah. The floor donuts. Yeah. Have some respect for yourself. Yeah, those are floor donuts. And we meet Karen, 
Rashida Jones. Yes. Playing another Karen. Yes, you might know her as Karen from The Office or... Uh, Ann Perkins. Ann Perkins. She's upset because her boyfriend has just dumped her. Yes. So we get this silly moment where a jock is gesturing wildly in the hallway and he like throws his hand out, but because he's huge... He smacks Sam in the solar plexus and yeah. knocks the wind out of him. It's 100% done on purpose. Yeah. Yes. Uh, th- this is something I experienced in high school. Uh, there was a, a kid I went to school with who had a bit of a limp. And uh, me and my buddy Jay were, were coming down the steps and we watched these two kids like goofing around. And he pushed one, another kid into... The kid with a limp, and they slammed against the lockers. And me and my buddy Jay just dropped our books, and we're like, we're about to have a fight. And this kid pulled himself up, looked this kid right in the face, and just went, I'm about to kick your ass. And we're like, all right, he doesn't need our help. (laughs) He's got this. And they ran off. It was awesome. So Sam accidentally ends up at Karen's locker because... It's very close to his, and he's trying to get into the wrong locker. Mm-hmm. So she bullies him, calls him a geek, and then... Makes fun of him for not having pit on, uh, pit hair? Yeah, grabs his shirt and pulls it up and looks at it. Yeah. Because one of the only continuity things is that uh, he doesn't have pit <laughs> he hair. He doesn't have pit hair. And then he, she writes geek in lipstick on the locker. And I am revolted because that that lipstick would just be gone to me. Yeah, that's dead lipstick. You're not putting that on your mouth. Like, I dropped a lipstick at a friend's house, and the friend had cats. And the lipstick was covered in cat hair, and I just went like, well, it was nice knowing you, lipstick. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine intentionally using it on a high school locker. So, ew. Uh, Lindsay goes and sits with Daniel, Nick, and Kim at lunch, and Kim is gossiping about Karen, uh, sleeping with Ricky's brother. Yeah. And getting caught. And Lindsay misses enough of the conversation that she kind of tries to awkwardly catch up, and she's like, who did what? And Kim is rude to her. And Lindsay's like, you know what? I am super done with this. Finally! And she goes to sit with some other kids, like obvious like really super dweeby kids like headgear yeah and and like like one of them gets her headgear stuck on Lindsay's sweater during the following scene but it like it took so long for Lindsay to just be like i'm getting nothing out of hanging out with you people yeah let me go elsewhere i was like oh thank god and nick like kind of comes over and apologizes to her and he's like yeah you know we are your friends. It's just Kim's always in our period, which right. is such a teenage guy way of saying, like, she's just not a nice person. Mm-hmm. And then Lindsay begs Nick not to, and he promises he won't say anything to her. Sam erases the word geek off his locker as Neil calls Karen a, quote, busty succubus from hell. Yeah. Which is a great way a nerd would talk about a hot girl who is mean to them. Yeah. And Karen retorts... What was that, Bilbo Baggins? Yes. A reference I don't think a high school girl in 1980 is making. A high school girl in 1999 is not making that reference when this would have been uh, airing. 
Because Fellowship of the Rings not till 2001. And you don't start hearing, like, regular people, not straight-up nerds, calling people hobbits until, like, the 2000s. Yeah. It's not a cultural reference that someone who is not a geek would make as an insult to a geek. Yeah, like, uh, she might call him Snow... She'd be like, go bother Snow White, or... Yeah. At this point, I actually have a suspicion that the plot is going to be that Karen actually likes Sam. Yeah. And that's why she's bullying him. Because, like, she's... The, she, the reason she's coming at him again is, hey, you erased my art. Yeah. Because he cleaned the word geek off the locker. Right. And it's like, there's no reason for her to want to continue any sort of relationship with this kid. And I was like, are they going to, like... Hook up? Hook up? Because, like, that's where I think we're going right now. Uh, I'm wrong, but that's where my brain went. So we see Daniel waiting for Kim. She's on the phone with her mom, screaming. And then Kim asks Lindsay how it's going. And asks what Lindsay's doing together. And, like, is very buddy-buddy with Lindsay. And asks to meet her after school. And Millie sees this and tries to warn Lindsay away from Kim. And she's like... She says, like, I've heard what she does in the darkroom. And uh, Lindsay's like, what? And she goes, she fornicates it. She fornicates in there. No, she said she fornicates it. Oh. Because they, they actually found it very funny... Because the actress playing Millie accidentally added the word it. No. <laughs> and they were like, keep it. We're keeping that line. So then Karen writes pygmy geek on Sam's locker. Yes. He tries to cover over it in the shar- in Sharpie, just like what she wrote on it. And in typical TV show fashion, he gets caught. And he has to write a 500-word essay about why vandalism is bad. Yeah. Kim asks Lindsay to come to her house for dinner, and Lindsay confronts Kim, like, did Nick tell you to be nice to me? And Kim admits he did, but says, like, if we're going to be around each other a lot, we should at least try to get along. And Lindsay considers declining, and then Kim is obviously hurt about it. And Sam hates Kim, and Lindsay is mad at Sam for telling her parents that Kim is kind of a bad person. Because we're not going to acknowledge the egging. No, that or never anything happened. else, or the fact that like Kim straight up assaults Sam in the pilot. Mm-hmm. Lindsay's establishing character moment is standing up for Sam against Alan. Yeah, and that's gone. And that element of Lindsay has long since died. Mm-hmm. Lindsay then calls Sam a geek, and then she's like, "I'm sorry, I'm kidding. You're not a geek. You're my brother." And Lindsay asks her to stop picking on Sam. Asks Kim to stop picking on Sam when Kim comes to pick her up. Yeah. So we find out a little bit more about Kim. Her Aunt Kathy was in Hollywood. She was an actor and she gave Kim the car. Yes. She's driving this old crappy gremlin. It's a hunk of crap. And Kim, Kim's parents really like Lindsay based on what they know. And then Kim is has been using Lindsay as a cover story, saying, like, I'm at your house every weekend. I went to your vacation house. Yeah, we went water skiing. And Lindsay kind of realizes that Kim is using her as cover, and it's immediately awkward. So they eat, like, 
KFC. And Lindsay does not know how to, like, keep up the lie because she's been not briefed about it. Yeah, she's not been briefed on this lie. And so like, she doesn't know anything about the layout of the shore town that uh, Kim has claimed she has a house in. And it turns out her mother worked in that shore town. So she's like, what street is your house on? And Lindsay doesn't know. Right. And thus, the mom catches the lie and just starts screaming at Kim. Who literally yells, I learned it from you. Yeah. There's a big family altercation between uh, Kim, Kim's mother, and Kim's stepfather. Because they're going to sell her car. Yeah. Which is the last thing she has of her Aunt Kathy, who she loved. And it's her car. Uh, And it's a really intense scene. There's nothing particularly graphic. But you see the, like, a very realistic struggle. Yes. Like, there's a lot of screaming. Uh, I I just want to throw this in there. Her brother is passed out on the couch the whole time? Yes. Which, like, there's They don't want him to wake up. They don't want him to wake up. But then there's all this screaming. Kim throws her keys to Lindsay. Mm Mm-hmm. Lindsay grabs the keys and jumps into the car. And then her father and mother are like... Punching it and shaking the car. Yeah. And Lindsay's just in the car terrified. Mm-hmm. And then Kim's able to get into the car. She unlocks the door just long enough for Kim to get in. And, and, yeah. And they escape together. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's wild. It is an intense moment of television. Yeah. And NBC did not air this one because it was deemed too scary for TV. Uh, Judd Apatow and Paul Feig kind of protested of like... You're going to show CSI, but not this, even though CSI was CBS. But the murder procedural is such a different type of sanitized violence Yeah. than realistic domestic violence mm-hmm. in a show that was arguably aimed at teenagers Yeah. and was marketed as a comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a very brutal episode for a comedy. Yeah. And we're at, like, the halfway point of this episode. Yeah. Kim melts down, and Lindsay, not for the last time, asks a character who is actively melting down if they're okay. Yeah. My car! My car! My car! My car! Mine! My car! My car! Are you okay? And they decide to go looking for Daniel. Who Kim, like, Kim's like, I I just want to find Daniel. During this, Sam and Neil are having an argument about being geeks. And they have, like, they also have a physical fight. Yeah. But this is played for laughs. Because it's two very weak 14-year-olds kind of awkwardly wrestling because they don't know how to fight each other. Sam throws Neil through a chemistry set. Which... And they're like, chemicals, oh no! And it has enough acid that it, like, eats away at the rug on Sam's floor. So, Kim and Lindsay pull up to the park where Daniel and Nick usually uh, play basketball. And Daniel has his, like, his fingers in Karen's mouth. Yeah, Karen is filleting Danny's thumb. And Kim then off-roads into the park... And Lindsay's remarkably calm. Yeah. I'm going to kill you, is what Kim is yelling. And then 
They drive away and Daniel just looks at Nick and goes, She's pissed. She tried to murder us with a car. And Nick But it is- needed to be said out loud that she's pissed. Nick is the only person reacting appropriately in this scene because he's like, <gasps> Yeah. Because <gasps> he almost died. Yeah. So, Lindsay then is like trying to act like maybe Daniel wasn't cheating on her. Mm-hmm. And Kim starts to cry and is like, Daniel's the nicest guy I've ever met. I always have to be alert and a bitch. Because he's still a man. He'll screw anything that moves. Yeah. So we find out that's one of the reasons she's been so unkind to Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Is Lindsay is another woman in Daniel's orbit. Yes. And this is where she also says, my life sucks. I don't have any friends. You're my only friend and you're a loser. And then Lindsay is more upset about being called a loser than she is about nearly <laughs> running over Daniel and Nick with the, the car. The murder that almost happened about the assault in her home. No, she was she was upset about that. I mean, she's more upset about the loser than the car wreck. Right. In. So, uh, they invite Kim to di- Like, Lindsay invites Kim to dinner at her house. Meanwhile, Sam is woofing down food because he's, he's trying to get bigger. He's trying to get bigger. And... Mrs. Weir is, like, weirdly concerned. And I was like, ma'am, have you ever seen a 14-year-old boy eat? Yeah, it's fine. Like, this is normal. And, like, the other thing that's so weird is Lindsay walks up to her parents and is like, can my friend Kim stay for dinner? And then Kim enters, still actively crying. Like, I would love some veal. It's like, wait, what? Whoa. Nobody has a question about what's happening? Well, uh, Lindsay was going to just go straight upstairs with Kim. And it's like Kim who sits down at the dinner table. And, you know, they she's crying. She's like, you're a man to the dad. Why are men only interested in sex? And then cries into her food. And you yeah. see the dad like, uh. <laughs> and the phone rings. Mrs. Weir goes up to get it. And it's... It was Kim's mom yeah. telling her version of what happened. Yeah. And uh, during this, you know, Lindsay kind of protests, like, why would I lie about having a beach house? Why would I do, like, mm-hmm. I didn't do any of this. Her mom is, like, mean and crazy. And Jean Weir decides it's a kindness to let Kim stay a bit and offers her some ice cream. Yeah. The next scene is somehow... Even more brutal. Yeah. This, like, this is so unnecessary. We find out that Kim is telling a story about her brother getting attacked by cops who were hitting them, hitting him with their billy clubs. And then he's, she's like, he wasn't even doing anything. He was just drunk. Mm-hmm. And we find out that her brother, who we saw in the previous scene, sustained a traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Well, her exact words are something along the lines of... You know, my brother got ambushed by cops once. They beat him in the head with their billy clubs. Oh, my. What was your brother doing? Nothing. He was just drunk, minding his own business. The cops just went nuts on him. Now he sleeps all day on the couch, and he never parties. I think he's got brain damage. Which means, like, he never went to a hospital. Yeah. They were just like, well, this is his life now. <gasps> it, like, it's it's really chilling. And unneeded for, like, 
the point they're trying to make. It's just an extra layer that makes you just go, ooh. So then Nick shows up at the door because Daniel wants to talk to Kim. And Kim flees the living room and ends up in Sam's room. And Sam is like, please don't kill me. Get out of my room. (laughs) Yeah, you're evil. Remember you tried to assault me that one time? And Kim kind of is like, don't worry about Karen. She's like, I didn't do that to you. Karen did that to you. And don't worry about Karen. I'm going to take care of Karen. She doesn't say I'm a, because that's a very 22 thing. Well, she doesn't say I'm going to take care of Karen. She's going to break her arms and legs and then light her on fire. (laughs) Yeah, she's going to Vecna Karen. It's like, whoa! Um, And then we get an awkward scene with Nick and Lindsay trying to, like, decide what to do. And then Daniel does finally come in to speak to Kim. He calls her a bitch and she hits him. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get into a fight, and he kind of, like, placates her by being like, there's only you. You're the only one. And the parents and Nick feel awkward, and then Lindsay just kind of closes the kitchen door on them. Yeah, Because they've had a full-on fight in the kitchen, like, with hitting. Yeah, she just keeps slapping him, and he keeps saying, like, I didn't lie. I didn't lie. And then, like, they kind of slowly, like, it becomes more, like, gentle and loving. And Lindsay just kind of closes the door, and I was like... It's really nice of them to just close the door and let them have sex on the kitchen floor, because that's what's coming. Clearly. Uh, Nick asks for a fruit roll-up after introducing himself to the Weirs. Yes. Um, Fruit roll-ups are not introduced until 1983. Oh, interesting. And then Mrs. Weir says, I think we deserve to see a happy ending, and then opens the door, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) They're making out on the counter. Like, what did you think was going to happen? And then I, I noticed, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Because they're only making out. And I also want to point out that they close the door to give them privacy, but they have one of those, like, big window counter things. Yeah. It's like, they're right open. You just look in. <laughs> Why even have a door there? Uh, Nick eats an entire box of fruit roll-ups. Uh, Daniel and Kim ultimately leave. Lindsay's like, I've got homework, goodbye, and runs upstairs. And the parents are like, this is not good, and... The mom goes, nope. Sam and Neil make up. Sam turns in the essay. Karen arrives the next morning to see it says slut on her locker in in, uh, spray paint. Karen thinks Sam did it. And Kim's like, no, I did it. I, and uh, I'm going to hit on you. And Karen's like, nope. And flees the school. Yes. And we never see her again. And then Sam genuinely thinks that Kim has done this for him. Yeah. So kind of like reversing out of Kim being evil to Sam, Mm. Sam genuinely at this point believes that Kim has done this 180 to protect and be kind to him. Yeah. Because he doesn't know about Daniel. Because he's upstairs fighting with Neil during the sequence. That's episode four. That's episode four. Episode five. Episode four is brutal. Like this... It's it really... Yeah, let's not move on to episode five. Yeah. Because episode four, like, I, I need to say this. It's so wild, like, all the things that happen. Yeah. It's one of the greatest episodes of television I've ever seen. Yeah. Just because, like, the whole time I'm, like, le- it's legitimately surprising me. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Because they set up so well, Kim is only being nice because Nick told her to be. Yeah. And for it to be so much more than that. And so much sadder than that. Is like, it's like, oh, I can't believe Kim did this. And then for them to be like, oh, I see exactly why Kim did this and I completely understand. And for them to be able to turn us to be entirely on Kim's team. Yeah. Because of like the horror she goes goes through daily is like very impressive. And it's very real. It's very like, oh my god, there are places like this. Uh, I'm not laughing out loud a lot. No. But like, I'm so on the ride for this episode. It's very well done. Uh, my only like small problem is there gets to a point where all this is happening in Lindsay's house and Lindsay's no longer speaking. Yeah. I was like, Linda Carnaliti's eyes are doing a lot of the heavy lifting because she hasn't had a line in a couple minutes. Yeah, the, Lindsay is the audience surrogate in this episode more than any other. And she's the audience surrogate of the series, but more in this episode than any other. I can see why this is a difficult episode to have early in your first season. Yeah. Because this is... This reminds me of a lot of other episodes of TV where you get that hidden depths of a character who was previously kind of antagonistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to pick the most family-friendly one I can think of when we meet Helga's family the first time. Right. When we meet like Helga Pataki's family on Hey Arnold, and you realize her mother's an alcoholic in the Nickelodeon way, and her dad neglects her, and her sister's definitely the, the golden child of the family. That episode airs a lot later. Yeah. I I think having this attempt to air so early, when the show is still trying to find its way... I I mean, it didn't end up airing so early, but like in the intended order. This is the fourth episode. I I think it's very bold of the the show to decide to do this, because in any other show, this would be a very special episode. Right. Because it reminds me of, like, the the full house where the, the Stephanie's kid, friends. Stephanie's friends yeah. got to talk about her, his dad. And I had another one in the chamber, but it's gone. Uh, but in any other show, it would be a character we've never seen before jumping into this plot, revealing the harsh hardships of their lives, getting the help they need. Which means we never see them again. Yeah, to me this actually... I think Hey Arnold is actually one of the better comparisons. Because Helga still has to live like that. Yeah. They eventually, I think, do improve her situation. But I believe she lives like that for quite a while. Yeah. So, like, this is a wild, like, like nothing else I had seen on television episode. that, That, like, got me back on the bus. Yeah. Of Freaks and Geeks. Uh, now we'll jump into episode five. Tests and breasts. God, I love Tom Wilson, who plays Biff. Yeah. He's doing... This it, aired one week after the Halloween episode. I do want to keep, okay. like... I'm sorry. Mentioning the air date so that you kind of get the impression of how difficult mm. this show could be to find. Uh, this aired one week after the Halloween episode because they did skip Kim Kelly as my friend. Yes. No offense to any gym teachers of the world. But it is very stereotypical of the gym teacher who also has to teach health 
Yeah. Just standing in front of the class reading from a textbook. Not only health. I cracked up when I saw that. Not only health, but like sex ed female anatomy. Yeah. Like, is he reading out of the book because he doesn't know? Or is he reading out of the book to desperately avoid mm-hmm. eye contact? My entire school career, whether it be as a student or as a teacher, this is a thing I've seen. Yes. <laughs> of, of just like... Read like not looking up, reading from the textbook. Mr. Frederick so reminds me of a gym teacher I had, mm-hmm. and I kind of mean that in a kind and warm way. Yeah, because Mr. Frederick is actually kind of a good character. So uh, during this, Bill and Neil are snarking in the back, and Sam keeps getting yelled at every time he tells them to shut up because the yeah. show is like that. Uh, we find out Alan has had head lice, so his head has been shaved. Yeah, which I'm guessing is something to fix a continuity error. It's because that actor showed up. They didn't realize they were going to use that actor again so soon, and he had shaved his head. <laughs> At least they didn't get head lice, which is a great way to cover that. So, uh, after the second time Sam gets caught talking, uh, Mr. Fredericks makes him point out different pieces of female anatomy in front of the school. Yeah, well, or in front of the class. I want to point this out. And I'll try to tell this as quickly as possible. He, what he actually says is, oh, if you're so smart, why don't you get up here and teach the class? Which is a legitimate thing that happened to me in, in fifth grade. Is uh, we were learning about the reproduction of plants. It, yeah. was, it was actually like the, the, the pollen system. Yeah. And everyone was kind of like falling asleep. I made some sort of joke. Oh, no. And uh, the teacher said, do you think you can get up here and teach this better? Which is supposed to be the... The threat. The shut you down. I went, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and I got up. That never happened in my school because I think the kids who were like that, I think they all... I think my teachers were savvy enough to know that those kids would have done what you did. But I really want to stress this because it's it's... We're not going to get any victories in the show. So right. this is my victory. I got up there and I was like, guys, it's real simple. Imagine a water slide. All right. So the tubes are like the little bits of pollen. And they get a ride up to the top of the slide on the bee. And then it touches the, the stemmy or whatever the heck Stamen. Is. Stamen. Stamen. And that sends it down the water slide. And it goes all the way down here. And eventually that gets filled with tubes. And that's fruit, is when it gets overly filled with fruit. And my teacher was just like, son of a... God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Most of of the teacher... Most of the class clowns I knew, the teachers I had were savvy enough to be like, nah, this kid's going to try to teach the class. (laughs) Like, most of my teachers knew that that's what our class clowns were like you. They would have been like, okay. Oh, man... I love that story, but it sounds like such a lie. Yeah. Because it's very much the story of, like, one time my, I was being a smartass, and my teacher was like, do you want to get up here and teach the class? And I did, and I did it better, and everybody applauded. Yeah, it's an R that happened. <laughs> but I swear it happened. So anyway, um, Daniel gets called into his math class, and he's doing really poorly in math. And so... Uh, he talks to Lindsay because he's upset and Lin- he's like, are you taking algebra? And she's like, I took it last year. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm intrigued. She's a mathlete. Yeah. And uh, this is also uh, the episode where 
Cindy is in charge of the ice cream booth at the charity carnival and asks Sam if he's going. And he offers to help out. And he's super excited that she asked him. And then she reali- he realizes she's asking everyone. Yeah. Is it possible for this episode for us to do the geek storyline and then do the freak storyline? Sure. So, so Yeah, go for it. Uh, he realizes Cindy is asking everyone. And uh, at one point, Daniel's at Lindsay and Sam's house during mm. the other plot. This is the only time the plots really cross over. And he catches Sam looking at a medical textbook, trying to figure out yeah. the female reproductive system. And Daniel is sympathetic to Sam. And he's like, nah, kid, like, you're not going to learn anything you can use in a book like that. I'll find you tomorrow at school and I'll help you out. And he gives Sam something in a paper bag. And it's like, don't lose it. I will want it back and don't open it here. Yes. And now, it's a dirty movie. Yes. Now, at school, they keep saying this punchline over and over again. Yes. Because they heard a joke... And they don't understand it. And the punchline, which is really the only part of the joke we ever hear, is, how do you think I rang the doorbell? Yes. And the three geeks cannot get this. No. And (laughs) Bill has one of my favorite lines, which is, I don't like jokes. I don't think they're funny. (laughs) Which is just a great line. But they are on a quest, not only to learn about the human body... But to figure out why this joke is funny. So they watch the dirty movie Daniel has brought them in Neil's house in the garage. And we watch them watch it. Yes. And we watch them go from excited to bored to horrified. Yeah. They do this great thing where as time is going on, they the boys all get, get further, further away from each other. And I'm just sitting there like, we have to get to the punchline. But it never comes. Well, I'm waiting for the moment where Sam looks down at his crotch, looks up and goes, I know how he rang the doorbell. But that never happens. All we get is Bill going, are we going to go to hell? Yeah. I don't want to go to hell. So Sam is then despondent at dinner. And the next day, Cindy comes up to him, asks for help with the ice cream booth. And he's like, I can't go. Yeah. Because he's now afraid of women and afraid Mm -hmm. of intimacy because of whatever he saw in the film. Right. So, uh, then we get back to gym class a couple days later and it's Mr. Fredericks and he is addressing anonymous questions about sex. Yes. And the class is laughing because they're ninth graders learning about sex. And he's like, there's a pop quiz tomorrow, but you didn't hear it from me. Which is, again... Such a gym teacher line. A nice, like... And, like, a bro gym teacher. Yeah. And he's like, Sam, can I talk to you in my office? And so he takes Sam aside, and he's like, I'm really concerned about your question. And Sam's like, those were supposed to be anonymous. And he goes, you're the only person with Star Trek notebook paper. (laughs) Yeah. And Biff, like... Biff. Yeah, um, Mr. Fred. Mr. Fredericks uh, kind of finds out how Sam had heard about whatever they're talking about. And he's like... Sam, I saw those, it in a movie. And he's like, Sam, those movies aren't reality. Look, what I'm you can't tell anyone we talked about this, because what I'm about to say could get us both into a lot of trouble. And the camera pulls out of the office, and we watch them through the office window and do not hear them. Yeah. And it is this very nice moment where Mr. Fredericks is talking to Sam. Mm-hmm. 
And we see Sam laugh a few times. Well, he starts, like, squirming. Like, yeah. he's really uncomfortable. And then it goes from squirming to, like, interested. And then from interested to laughing. And it's like, that's a great teacher right there. Uh, the actors were actually... Uh, he was telling John Francis Daly dirty jokes. Oh, that's fun. And that's how he was getting him to laugh. <laughs> and so it's this nice, like, sweet moment of, again... Kind of like in um, some of the other episodes, Sam getting kind of a little win. Yeah. Of like this, he then goes and sees Cindy working on the Carnival Gardeners. And he talks to her and he's like, do you still need help with the ice cream? And she's like, well, Janine said she'd do it, but we could use a little bit more help. Here, grab a brush. So he's going to start working on the Carnival with Cindy and to bond with Cindy. Which is about, and then we see Bill out in the hallway going, no! <laughs> uh, I do want to bring this up real quick, though. Yeah. We don't hear a lot of the information no. that is being ha- that they have. And then he opens the door so, like, the camera can hear it again. And he says, all right, in short, those films aren't reality. Okay? Yeah. So just run off to class. Don't let it bother you. And Sam goes, okay, can I ask you one more question? Why is this joke funny? Yeah. There's a guy with no arms and legs. And then it cuts. So in the course of the show, we never hear the full joke. Yes. But somebody did research. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage, it's the research department. Give it up for Stay Doom's own Laura Prince. I loathe everything that just happened. Uh, So there is a woman who puts a personal ad in the newspaper. And she wants... A man who won't hurt her, a man who won't leave her, and a man who can please her in bed. And weeks go by and there's no response. And so she consigns herself to like, okay, maybe I'm just not going to find anybody. Until one day her doorbell rings. She opens the door and there's a man in a wheelchair with no arms and no legs. And she's like, hi, can I help you? And he goes, I'm answering your ad. I have no arms. I can't beat you. I have no legs and I can't run away. And she goes okay, but what about pleasing me in bed? And he just smiles and goes, how do you think I rang your doorbell? (laughs) Now we're going to do the freak storyline, which is enraging. So uh, let me, so he, Daniel, we've established is doing poorly in math and Lindsay offers to help him. And he's not helping. He kind of shows up to the front door Smoking on the stoop. Yeah. Like, he's dumb enough to show up to someone's parents' house smoking. Yes. And this is one of the only times we see a lead character smoke. Because the network didn't want kids to start smoking because of the cast of Freaks and Geeks. Uh, so this is the only time we see a character smoking. Oh, interesting. Didn't, even, didn't really pick up on that. It's important to note that Lindsay has invited Daniel over... And Daniel thinks that he's going to learn tricks that will help him in uh, algebra. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, I'll teach you tricks. Now, in Lindsay's mind, the tricks are things like memorizing the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah. And Daniel thinks the tricks are going to be something that magically makes him know the answers to these things. Yes. Uh, Daniel shows up without his textbook. Yeah. And... Tries to smoke in a room. Lindsay scolds him. And he sucks at studying. 
And he doesn't want to really try or do anything. He's like, I'm sorry I wasted your time. And like skulks out. Daniel then steals the uh, test. And there's like a funny sequence where Nick acts as lookout. He goes into the Kachowski's classroom and steals the test. Yes. And Sarah, who we see occasionally, shows up and distracts Nick. Right. And Nick is flirting with Sarah as Daniel steals the test. And then Gacheski starts to come back, and Nick just starts banging on the door desperately with his drumsticks. Yeah. Like, in the most obvious thing of all time. And Daniel sneaks out the side door, and he has stolen the test. And he's trying to convince Lindsay to help him cheat. Yeah. Lindsay offers to go talk to the math teacher and ask for an extension. And she's like, he likes me. I'll tell him I'm tutoring you and ask if you can get an extension on the test. Mm Mm-hmm. She does go talk to Kowczewski, and it goes incredibly poorly. And, like, in a way that just would yeah. be... Was unacceptable in the 80s, but would not would never fly now. Look, he wastes my time, he wastes class time, and now he's wasting your time. No, he's not wasting anybody's time. I know Daniel is cute with his bedroom eyes and his stringy hair, but he's a loser. And losers pull down winners. Now, you're a smart girl. Don't let your hormones get in the way. This this is something that, like, surprisingly has not occurred yet in this show. Where, if we're supposed to believe in these students, the adults should all be comically evil. Yeah. Like, her parents shouldn't understand, and the the gym teacher should just be, like, a drill sergeant. But to be honest, everyone is pretty cool. Yeah. Like, they're very understanding and, you know, like, personable. Like, they're not made into, like, these villains. Until now, when this math teacher's like, he's a waste of space. It's like, you can't say that about another student to a student. To his friend. Yeah. Like, and you're going to report back to him. And he's like, you know, Daniel's a loser. Don't let your hormones get in the way. Whoa! Like, you know, you're a winner. He's a loser. Losers drag down winners. You're too smart to be around him. Yeah. And Lindsay is furious. And fill, help shows Daniel how to fill out the test. And she's like doing it in her head. And he's so impressed. The test comes and Daniel crushes it because, and gets an A. Mm-hmm. See, to me, this is also like Bush League cheating. It's implausible that Daniel got an A. You should help Daniel get a C. Yeah. Like, and then the next time you help Daniel get a B minus. Yeah. And like, help him bring up his grades in a way that could look like, oh, I'm helping him. Feasible. Yeah. yeah. And. Kowczewski confronts Lindsay immediately and says, I got an anonymous note saying you helped him cheat. And she immediately denies it. It's also implied that the reason he recognizes that it was cheating is uh, Lindsay wrote Daniel's name. Not only did she do the test, but she wrote the name. She wrote it with girl handwriting. Oh, I didn't catch that. Because there's a moment where he's looking at the name like, huh, that doesn't make sense. Oh, I thought it was because... He was looking and realizing it was Daniel's test, but answers were right. I, I think it's not clear. No. But that was my impression. 
I, I think, because I think Dan, you see Daniel writing on the test. Oh, I thought Daniel dotted his eye with a circle and they were like, ha ha. No, I think Dan, Daniel's writing on the test. Okay. Lindsay just did everything and showed him what to write. So Millie uh, is like, why were you talking to Mr. Kachesky? Are you doing mathletes again? I love Millie. And Lindsay then freaks out about the cheating accusation. And Daniel's like, we'll deny it. Look, I got you into this. I'll get you out. Which if you believe Daniel at this point. Mr. Kachesky calls Lindsay's house and says she's facing suspension because of the cheating accusation. And her parents get mad at her. And she turns it around. She's like, you didn't even ask my side. You just believe anything anyone says about me. And runs upstairs furious. Then we get a great little Millie scene. Mm-hmm. Millie um, needs to talk to Lindsay. And she's like, look, the mathletes have been talking. And they're saying that you cheated on a test. I know you didn't because you'd never... Just because you're not a mathlete anymore doesn't mean you defy our code of honor. And Lindsay's like, I did it. I cheated and I lied and I cheated and I lied. And Millie bursts out laughing. laughing. He's like, ah, you're so silly, Lindsay. Uh, You can see Millie's eyes move from where they're supposed to be because somebody moons Millie off camera to make her laugh. (laughs) We don't know who it was. Uh, But the actress was only 15, so we're hoping it was not like a full-grown adult. (laughs) So... uh, Rosso, the guidance counselor, calls Lindsay in and tells a story about, like, helping a worse student and then one day kind of being like, I stopped helping him. She's like, and he studied hard and got A's and he goes, no, he beat the crap out of me. Yeah. And she still thinks that she's going to continue to tutor Daniel. Like, she let Daniel take this shortcut this once to prove... Kowchesky wrong, mm-hmm. but she's going to work with him and he's going to really bring up his grades. And Kim's like, okay, well, if you don't do the test for him, he'll find someone who will. Yeah, someone else will do it for him. And that's when Lindsay starts to realize she's been used. Yeah. And uh, Daniel starts trying to manipulate her. Yes. And Lindsay actually says out loud, you're manipulating me. Yes. I actually have a note here. Is James Franco acting badly here on purpose? Yes! Because His he's, performance is not great here. Yeah, because and but it's definitely a guy who's kind of a, you know, crap bag. The act he puts on to get people to listen to him. Yeah. He gives, he gives this speech about how in sixth grade, I'm going to try to do it like him. Okay. In sixth grade, I was told that there was three tracks. Track one... With the smart kids. Track two is the normal kids. Track three is the dumb kids. And guess which one I got? You know how it feels at 11 years old being told that you're dumb? I don't want to be bad at school. It's, and it's so obviously like James Franco acts like Daniel watched a Marlon Brando movie once. <laughs> yes. And like that's very much the beat that he's doing. And so uh, they agree to stick to the story and her parents show up. To support her. Because they feel bad that they doubted her. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Kowchesky and Rosso are arguing because Kowchesky admits there was no anonymous note. It's a way that he 
gets them to confess because he's convinced they cheated. So they start to argue in the room. It's the Weirs, Lindsay, uh, Daniel, Rosso, and Kowchowski. And they finally come up with, Kowchowski decides that if Daniel can do the first problem on the test. Yeah. He'll get on his knees and grovel and resign. <laughs> yes. And this is really good. Daniel takes forever that he's writing. Well, Daniel grabs it and he looks at it and he goes, okay, I just have to use the Pythagorean theorem. Quadratic equation. Oh, is it? I thought it was... Nope, uh, quadratic equation. All right. I have to just use the quadratic equation. And so like just enough to make you go, oh, he's freaking got it. Yeah. He's going to get this one. Uh, And... He turns in the paper, looks all smug. The camera just looks down, and it just says Zeppelin rules. And the adults start to explode and yell at each other. Because they're caught. They're caught at this point. He couldn't do it. And Daniel tries to take the fall. And he does the exact same speech, beat for beat, that he says to Lindsay. You know, when I was in sixth grade... They told us when we got to junior high, we'd be either in track one, track two, or track three. Track one's the smart kids. Track two's the normal kids. Track three's the dumb kids. And what do you think I got? How do you think it feels to be told that you're dumb in ink when you're 11 years old? Yes. And Linda Cardellini works overtime in this scene. Oh, this performance is so good. Without a single line while he's speaking, when the camera focuses on her, you watch her cotton on to what he's doing. Yes. Go through several emotions of like anger, anxiety, anger again. Because like at this moment, like it's kind of the perfect ending for this episode, which is they're going to get away with it. But she's on to him. Yeah. And it's just like, I was just like, man, they totally nailed this ending. And then. (laughs) And then instead of, and then all the adults are cowed by this. And then Lindsay bursts out laughing. Like a psychopath. And Kowcheski accuses her of being high. Uh, Rosso's like, I think this is a nervous reaction. Yeah. Which is probably closer to the accurate. <laughs> but she's just like... <laughs> and she also like spits on herself. Which she's laughing keep... so hard. I, like, I'm sorry no one will get this reference. Her laughing looks like Danny Glover crying. <laughs> she spits like Jonathan Groff in Hamilton. <laughs> yes. And it was kept in on purpose because they like those moments. <laughs> and it ends with the adults arguing over her laughing hysterically. And that's yeah. just how the episode ends. Because it ends in chaos because, like, some people think that she's high. Other people think, oh, my God, she's laughing at this poor man. Yeah. Who just, like... <laughs> and if the show had continuity, we would also know that she'd been called into the office... For calling Eli a slur. Yeah, that's But this good. show does not do continuity. So, like, there's so much going on here. Like, 
I really liked this episode. I thought this was really good. I think it's great that they didn't end it on that, like, obvious ending point. Yeah. To have it end in chaos is great. But I have a note. Yeah. Episode six is going to have to be the breaking point. Yeah. Because there has to be repercussions. Yeah. Like, They've been caught. Yeah. Like, and, like... A lot of damage has been done to the friendship of Lindsay and Daniel. Of Lindsay and Daniel. We better freaking address it in episode yeah, six. Daniel might cost Lindsay her future. Let me go ahead and turn the page. Editor Noah jumping in here towards the end. I will admit we have, in fact, recorded our reaction to episode six of Freaks and geeks. However, we are a full two hours in, so we have made the executive decision to make this our very first four-parter, if if you don't count Kid Nation, because that was three parts plus an interview. But regardless, we are going to make this a four-parter for a couple reasons. One, this is actually the biggest show we've ever tackled. This is 18 hours of television. So due to the sheer size of this, we just want to be able to break this up so we can talk about all the things we want to talk about. And secondly, this might be the best show for Stay Doomed to cover. There's a lot to talk about in terms of the time it was mated, what the actual content of the show is, along with backstage politics, what makes this a one-season wonder. So there's a lot for us to go into. So we have decided that we are going to make this a four-parter. So welcome to Freaks and Geeks Month. And we are going to actually cut off the episode here, remove our review of episode six. We will stick that into next week's episode, and we are going to jump right into some conclusions. I will admit that our little sign-off lines contain spoilers for episode six, and I apologize for that. But we've decided it is best for everyone, us, the show, and you, the audience, if we cut it off here. So... We are going to head back to Noah and Laura in the past, giving us their conclusions on the first few episodes of Freaks and Geeks. The one thing I think we want to stress here is the lack of continuity. Yes, because I I think nothing really matters because nothing's had consequences, and uh, it kind of damages character motivations because nothing has emotional consequences either. Yeah. Like, the the characters never seem to grow from the experiences that they have because they don't seem to remember them. And they don't grow apart. They don't grow together. Um, We still haven't figured... Like, we're maybe in this last episode starting to figure out Lindsay a little more. Yeah. But uh, this is run for two... I'm I'm really not sure how we're going to do the next two episodes and then also address all the stuff we want to talk about. So we are going to do our best. Uh, But I want to say this. Like... I, I think that I do love this show at this point. Okay. I, I actively love the show. But the, the problems that I'm seeing is the lack of continuity means that there is no stakes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they all seem to end before a re... Every episode ends before there is a reset into a status quo. Yeah. Which if they did that, we could be like, oh, okay, this is why we're starting anew with every episode. Instead... Every episode ends basically at the climax. And there's never the denouement. So what happens? Uh, And I expect more out of something that I'm giving an hour of my time to. Yes. If this was a half hour, this would all be forgivable. And it's got that, like, Judd Apatow 
pacing that's not always super well done. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of time wasted and when we're feeling we're not seeing things we ought to be, some of the wasted time does kind of great. Yeah. So this will be a three or four parter at this point. Yeah, there's there's we have not... a lot to say at the end, so we yes. might shorten the number of episodes that we watch for this uh in the next one, just so that we can make this all work out. So this might be Freaks and Geeks Month. Hooray. Yeah, happy September. Uh, that being said, even thank you so much for watching or listening all the way to the end of this. Yeah. Uh, really quickly, we have to deliver a bonus episode soon. Yes, we do. Uh, and Laura's super busy, so we're going to do a Noah solo bonus episode. Simply is going to be Noah Tells a Story. Your story choices are... I actually have a story about the questions being asked at Jim. The anonymous questions. I have a good story about that. Oh, I don't know if I know that one. So you can pick that one. Uh, I said that I had a full story about taking a shower at school. I actually do have a, a story about that of when I became a lifeguard. So you can get that story. Also, if we want to get away from Freaks and Geeks, we can talk about the fist fight I got into in college. Or the worst con I ever went to. Those are your choices. Uh, let me know which one you want by voting on Patreon. And you can join our Patreon at plus two or at patreon.com slash plus two comedy. Where can people find us, Laura? You can email us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And coming soon, we will have a new website. Ooh, very exciting. Should launch actually probably right ahead of the hiatus. And if you ever found yourself naked at school would, and would avoid running outside, I'm at Plus Two Comedy on Twitter. If you ever had to go to school in your school play costume, I'm at Bean Bunny Lives. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>